102.7 ESPN Studios in Austin, Texas. This is the Jeff Ward Show. Hey, welcome to our little show. Here's the way it works. I riff on stuff and you react. Pretty straightforward. The phone numbers, you'll need them. 512-834-1027. That's 512-834-1027. You want to follow me on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it this week, you can do so. I'm at Jeff Ward Show. That's at Jeff Ward Show. If you want to make comments on Twitter or X or whatever it's called this week, do so. Please don't suck. Try to make the show better if you can. Get straight to the point. Make sure you check out the show podcast. We drop a podcast every afternoon. The Jeff Ward Show podcast is available wherever you download your podcasts. You can also check out the YouTube channel as well. We drop that in the afternoon, even though I look like Shrek. Seems to be doing pretty well, so check it out. Subscribe to it. Oftentimes on Mondays, I like to talk about overreactions versus reality. There's a lot of overreactions. There seems to be a lot of hot takes and overreactions from this weekend. We've got football players melting down. We've got just full-on craziness at every single level in every way. So let's do this. We will separate the overreactions from the reality, or at least what I think is the reality, and you're, you can disagree all that you would like. All right, so let's start. Overreaction. Your Dallas Cowboys will cruise to an NFC championship and the number two seed. Reality. Easy to get over your skis right now. Very easy. I'm not because I've been saying this stuff since last August. But here we go. It is there for the taking, no doubt. They are now number one in the East, and they hold the tiebreaker over Philadelphia. Got it? You've probably, if you've wanted to read it, you've already read that. They're the hottest team in football with the hottest quarterback in the game who's, get this, who leads the league in touchdowns, who is now the favorite to win the MVP. Say that back in August and people would say that you're on crack. But here's where I think the reality is. The reality is the path is even harder, I think, than it was even a week ago. It looked like a tough path to run the table the rest of the way. That's what we're talking about now. To get that, to get that number two seed to win the division, most likely, you're going to have to run the table. It looked kind of tough a week ago. I think it looks much tougher even now. You're going to say, wait a second, Jeff. Dallas is playing better than ever. They've, uh, they're as hot as they can be. I get it. I get it. Listen, the reality is the teams left for Dallas – because of their own screw-ups, are now fighting for their playoff lives. So instead of Dallas getting teams when they're not necessarily at their best because they don't have to be at their best, they're now desperate football teams. First question, of course, is, is this really Philadelphia? Is this who Philadelphia is? The team that got their face kicked in again by Dallas that has had their face kicked in on consecutive weeks by the upper echelon of the NFC, is this who they are? And that's the way it looks right now is it's a tired, sluggish, slow-starting team that is prone to a lot of mistakes. Is this who they really are? So, and I'd caution people about that, because it's really easy right now to get over your skis and say, this is an easy path for Dallas. It's not so easy because everybody now in the mix is really, really desperate as well. 
Will Philadelphia blow a game down the stretch? Um, if this is not who Philadelphia is, if this is not a sluggish, tired, mistake-prone, slow-starting team that you saw get their ass handed to them by Dallas, um, then I think they've got life. I know it didn't look that way right now. I know it's hard to accept that, but there's an answer why they probably have life. Dallas needs to hope this is who Philadelphia is. Dallas needs to hope that by kicking their face in, that they really are this tired and this sluggish and mistake-prone. Because they they need Philadelphia, I think, to make a mistake along the way. And that may only happen, to be honest, that may only happen when they play Seattle next week. Because they have Seattle and the Giants, the Cardinals and the Giants. That's three of the four that don't really even play football anymore. So if they have a pulse, and I think they might, if they have a pulse, at worst you can see three and one down the stretch. Now, that's, that's the reality for Dallas is that what's ahead is not only on paper good teams, but teams that are desperate to win. I didn't see it a week ago. You see it more now. I saw Buffalo going to Kansas City, which is a whole other discussion by itself and the tantrums. But I saw Buffalo go, going to Kansas City losing and Buffalo mailing it in and turning into a dysfunctional mess. All the better for the Dallas Cowboys. Not now. No, no, no. Dallas goes to Buffalo. I have no idea how much snow there could be. Dallas now goes to Buffalo. and Buffalo's alive and desperate and feels it. So Dallas gets Buffalo on the road and Buffalo very much has life in the playoffs. Uh, a win in beautiful Buffalo in a week, uh, the betting money is moving all the way to Dallas. It's shifting its way there now. People are hyped about it, but a win in Buffalo, and that money just flows towards Dallas. It's, uh, it's an up-and-down, weird, bizarre team in Buffalo, but they get a team, right? So there's that game, which is now more dangerous than you thought it was even a week or 10 days ago. Then you get a team that's playing for a top two seed, and that's Miami. And it matters. It matters a lot. Um, That's a team chasing a top two. Then you get Detroit, who you would think, I actually thought Detroit was in a good place and Detroit could cruise. And by the time Dallas gets Detroit, Detroit is resting. Detroit is... We got this. We'll take a nap now. Instead, they turn around and get their face kicked in by the Bears. So they're now a desperate team. Yeah, they're a playoff team, but they're playing for their home field lives. And then they end with Washington, who doesn't care, and all their coaches are going to get fired. A 3-1 and one finish would not be bad for Dallas. Is it good enough? Can you count on the Eagles to do the same? Or can you count on the Eagles to run the table? Next week tells you everything. It really does. It tells you everything. We thought Dallas v. Philadelphia would tell us everything. That's not entirely true now. So, oh, Dallas is better. Yep, this Dallas is, what you're seeing is really what Dallas is. There are so many right things with the Cowboys. Not to mention they find a field goal kicker is out 28 of 28. It's ridiculous. You couldn't be in a better spot in how you're playing than Dallas is right now, but they have hit a stretch of playing desperate teams. Is three and one good enough? Overreaction. Your Houston Texans are going to win their division. Gosh, I think I've said that a week ago, and I think I might have said it the week before that. They're not overreaction. 
They're not the same old irrelevant Houston Texans. They're chasing a division championship. So there's no way, no way, they don't win and cover against the dumpster fire that is the New York Jets. It's easy money, right, everybody? Who didn't say that on Friday and Saturday? Yeah, well, reality. What the hell was that? What was that? Are you kidding? What was that? Like, that's the Texans? That's the Texans we've known for decades? Really? That's the old Texans. We thought we had a new Texans. They get blasted. The playoff-bound, division-winning car. Oh, I mean, it's like kumbaya for the Texans. For the first time ever, we're talking about the Texans. For the first time ever, they matter. For the first time ever, we just assume, well, here's a throwaway game. You're going to cover this. You had a great spot. Man, life is good. You've turned the corner. They turn around. And get blasted, and I mean blasted, by the clueless, dysfunctional New York Jets. That's almost impossible to do. Nobody, nobody in particular, I really mean nobody, but nobody that's any good lets Zach Wilson look like Joe Montana. That doesn't happen. You can't let that happen. That's impossible. That dude couldn't look like Joe Montana in a practice. Reality. The Texans did. The Texans, somehow, it even surprised the Jets. I'm sure somewhere there's audio of the coaching staff saying, who is that guy? What's he doing? Where did he, is Aaron Rodgers out there? Texans, how did you end up there? Really? Just when we wanted to talk about you. Now you're going to get kicked back to the curb. You know, if you want to be taken seriously and you want to be relevant, you know what you can't do? You can't lose to Zach Wilson and the Jets 30-6. to If you'd like to matter, you can't do that. Nobody does that. If you want to matter, do you know what else you can't do? If you want to matter, if you want to be relevant, if you want to be talked about a lot, you can't let Zach Wilson... You know, the guy that keeps losing his job and getting it back only because everybody else is a mess, too. You can't let that guy pass for 301 yards and two touchdowns. Nobody lets that happen. Zach Wilson doesn't pass for 300 yards in five games. He did it against the Texans in one. In a game that kind of needed. But there he was against the streaking playoff-bound Texans lighting them up. The Texans on their way to a division championship and they're derailed. Imagine looking back on the season and saying, man, you blew it against Zach Wilson. You know what you can't do if you would like to make us think you're different? That's what you can't do. So you kind of burned us a little bit here. It's not cool. What you can't do if you want us to think differently about you, your rookie of the year your runaway, unanimous, no one else will even be on the ballot, rookie of the year quarterback, C.J. Stroud, the guy that we can't say enough about, the guy that just on Friday I'm talking about being in a, in a battle for the next several years with Trevor Lawrence has been the, two of the best quarterbacks in all of football. It's the next Mahomes-Burrow kind of thing. You know, some of us said that stuff. What you can't do is have that superstar Pass for 91 yards against the Jets. They're directionless. They're clueless. They're a full-arm sports dumpster fire, and this star player had 91 yards.
you know what you can't do? If your coach is the front runner for coach of the year and is the defensive genius of the year, you can't let Zach Wilson and the Jets score 31 points. They don't score 31 points in a month. The Jets are usually a mess on offense. It normally takes them three or four weeks to score 31 points, defensive genius. Overreaction. This one, this one's a little complicated. I'm going to have to go back to the days of having a toddler to talk about this. You ready? Overreaction. Patrick Mahomes' toddler-like tantrum is over the top. I'll describe those tantrums in case many of you forget. You know the tantrums where your four-year-old is in the store, and they're to the point where they're dry heaving that it looks unhealthy, they're melting down so badly, they're crying so badly because they want the newest Thomas the Tank Engine, and so they scream at the top of their lungs, they go face first in the store and start kicking and screaming to the point that you feel embarrassed, other people looking at you like they're going to call CPS, that kind of tantrum, you know, the one with the the toddler, the, the four-year-old, is on the floor wailing uncontrollably. And you feel like a terrible parent because you're ignoring, you just figure, I'm going to ignore this one. You're ignoring the kid's tantrum. Not that I've been through a few hundred of those to tell you about them specifically, but Patrick Mahomes has had that meltdown after Kansas City scored 17 points at home. And it's been absurd. He's having that four-year-old meltdown. I remember them very, very well. The Thomas, the, it was always the Thomas the Tank Engine that did it. Like that was started the absolute freak out. That's what he's doing. Reality, and there's bits and pieces to the reality of this. Um, this is a bad look for him. For the first time that anybody can remember. It is, but he's been the face of the NFL. He's the face of the franchise. He's the face of the league for a long time coming. What used to be the face of the league, Tom Brady, it's been Patrick Mahomes for a couple of years, if not longer. It's a bad look for him. Um, him screaming about the offsides call on his offense is a bad look, but I think there's more to it. So here's where I think the reality is. There's a little psychological study in this. He's a guy that doesn't throw anybody under the bus that I know of. Typically, he does not throw anybody under the bus. None of his teammates under the bus. He doesn't, he's not critical ever. He owns everything. You couldn't ask for a better face of the franchise of the NFL than Patrick Mahomes. Okay. I think this meltdown, this four-year-old like, I want that Thomas the Tank Engine meltdown, I'm going to cry and never stop crying kind of meltdown, I think this meltdown, half of it is a bad look. Well, all of it's a bad look. Half of it is about the call, but I think the other half is about what's happened the past few weeks. And I think it's about what happened during that game. I think reality is hitting him really hard, and that is I'm at a high level, the people around me are not. Reality is starting to hit him, and it's driving him crazy, and it should. It should. So I guess what I'm saying is they've lost two in a row now, and it's on the offensive side. They're just not very good on offense. One part of his meltdown was 
part of his meltdown makes perfect sense. And that is, he keeps hitting guys in the hands with passes, and they keep dropping the ball. He keeps driving a team down the field, and they keep making mistakes. That, I think, is really getting to him. He continues to play at a high level, and his offense isn't helping. What's around him is just not working. His defense is excellent, and now they're on the outside looking at a division championship. It's just uncharted territory for him. He's not used to it. So I know, I know it's a babyfied tantrum. It is that wailing tantrum. It is getting a little old, but I think there's more to it. I think he's flipping out partly about his team. And to be honest, the play that has got him flipping out, he should be mad. He should. So the defense that he has is Super Bowl caliber. He's still at Super Bowl caliber. What's going on around him is far from it. It's not an accident. It's not a fluke. They're just not that good. Um, A franchise, think of it this way, a franchise, the Chiefs, that looked like had all the makings, and some would argue still does. That's why I think this blow-up is deeper than just the stupid call. And it was the correct call, by the way. Got it? I'll tell you why. But there's something far deeper to this guy right now flipping out. I mean, he's on day two of flipping out. He went nuts yesterday after the game, the Chiefs and the Bills, and he's still <laughs> complaining. I just think there's more to it. Um, he's pissed for good reason, some of it, because they pulled off a perfectly mastered trick play for a 49-yard touchdown. Okay, this would have given the Chiefs a 24-20 lead with, what, a little, maybe a minute left in the game against the Bills. It was brilliant, and his receiver, Kadarius Toney, lined up offsides. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? Just to nerd out on some football for you just for a second, that's dumb at every level of football. It's dumb. It's unheard of in the NFL. It's unheard of in college. You get yelled at in high school. I did it. It's extra, extra dumb in the NFL. And it's really off the charts dumb at that point in the game. It was his fault. It was his own offense's fault. It was a gut punch for Kansas City. I think a gut punch for Patrick Mahomes. And I think that's part of why he's flipping out. I have to believe his meltdown, his childlike tantrum meltdown was partly due to the fact that that was an unbelievably dumb thing to do. Instead of being so mad at the referee and mad at the world, he should have jumped on his guy's face. It just get in his face, but it's too late. Damage is done, the penalty was called, and it was absolutely the right call. He was a good foot ahead of the ball, and all he has to do, just so everyone, I mean, I hear, I think everyone's hearing conversations about this, this play and how officials are inserting themselves into games. That's BS. It is. It's BS. This is not some subjective call of pass interference that it just was outrageous. This is a clear line that the dude crossed that was completely lazy. Okay? Um, your job, when you line up, is to line up on the ball, the tip of the ball. That's what you have to do. You put your toe level with the ball. You know how you know you're doing it? Because the referee puts his toe out as well to show you where to line up. I mean, the line judge, to his left, okay, this is true of any receiver at any level of football, he'll stick his foot out 
to show you where to line up before the snap. It's second nature to guys who do it for a living. Second nature. But if you break the huddle, you're winded, blah, 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 whatever's going on, you'll always see guys look to the left, they'll point. And then that's they're pointing to make sure they are lined up correctly on, with their toe on the ball. That's it. All you got to do is line up correctly before the snap. And the official is there to show you where to do it. I mean, you probably, if you just take the time, you'll see it 40 times a game. Patrick Mahomes should be furious because it's another mistake by his receivers. It's a silly mistake. It's off the charts. And I'm, I'm, I'm covering him a little bit by saying I think there's more to this rant. But the rant about the penalty is absolutely unjustified. The rant about his teammates is completely justified. It's not okay for the Chiefs, Andy Reid, Taylor Swift, anybody to be whining about the call. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are not historically whiners. They're far from it. They're two guys that have done it the right way, that show up to work every day, that know the game well. This whining is in the wrong direction. The whining about the call, I guess, is an easy way to avoid throwing your teammate under the bus who did something incredibly stupid. They're wrong, by the way. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are wrong. So here it goes. Um, in order, I have to save all the F-bombs because Patrick Mahomes wouldn't stop dropping F-bombs. Um, in order, it's the play, which was executed perfectly. Unfortunately, no one's going to talk about Travis Kelsey Swift's pass across the field, which was nothing short of amazing. So in order, it's the play, then Andy Reid sort of complaining, then Patrick Mahomes absolutely complaining, and then a perfect explanation by an official. And another blitz, selling out, flag on the play, might be a free one. They've got Kelsey at the 30, Kelsey 25, angling back, 20, now he's going to lateral it back at the 15-yard line, it's Tony, 10, 5, touchdown, quarterback. Number 19, offense, lined up in the neutral zone. Offsides by the offense lined up in the neutral zone. One of the most exciting plays. A TD is wiped off the board and a five-yard penalty. Have a football game down to the end. Um, very disappointed that it ended the way it did. And um, normally, I'll get. Um, I never use any of this as excuses, but normally I get a warning before something like that happens in a big game. Um, a bit embarrassing in the National Football League for that to take place. I mean, it's I mean, obviously tough to swallow. Um, I mean, not, not only for, for me, but just for football in general. I mean, just to take away greatness like that. I mean, for a guy like Travis to make a play like that, and who knows if we win, but... As I know as fans, you want to see the guys on the field decide the game. And that's why last week I didn't say anything about the flag. They didn't get called on the Marquez. And so, I mean, I, don't, it, I mean, they're human, man. They make mistakes. But, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's every week we're talking about something. And all I can do is go out there and give everything I have. And I'm proud of the guys because that's what we did. And it was a great football game that ended – another great football game that just ended like that. It's just tough, tough to swallow. Well, yeah, okay. So what they're really saying is, um, I mean, this whole deal about Andy Reid saying <laughs> they normally warn me 
That's one of the things people don't have to warn you about because the dude is standing over there. I know this. I've been on the sideline 7,000 times. There's somebody with their toe out. So you point your finger. Am I, am I lined up okay? And you know what? If you're not lined up okay, you know what that line judge will do? He'll tell you to back up. Come on. Come on, guys. No, no, no. That's, I'm cutting them some slack by saying I think this might be. There might be more to this. Um, I think the reality, I think the weight of where that franchise is, because as good as they are, they fixed a lot of stuff, their defense, all this stuff's going right as a dynasty. And I think the reality is they've got to be super frustrated that the only thing holding them back are they just started losing receivers. It's showing up, and he hates it because he's still playing at a high level. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. Show. You better like that, kid. Uh, let's do weird question for all of you. No, weird demand for all of you. I want you to do this right now. I want you to do some role-playing. I need, let's say, role-playing here. You need to move. Not move your body. I mean, you need to move out of your place. You need to move into a new place. You need to move. Role-play with me. We all know it's awful, but we've all been there. So you need to hire movers. Play along, please. You need to hire movers to move your stuff. And you want it done fast, of course, and you want it done right, right? We've all, we've all had good movers in our life, and we've likely had a bad mover or two in our life. So follow me. Which, ad, which advertisement... For movers, are you most likely to answer and/or respond to, and feel comfortable with? Do with this whatever you want. There's a point to this. You ready? These are the these are the descriptions of the movers that you're looking to hire and to move your stuff. Bikini babe movers enjoy the view the view while you move in. No, let's say it this way: bikini babe movers. Enjoy the view while you move. Got it? Next advertisement. Senior movers taking their time to get it right. Okay? Or, number three, meathead movers. Young, strong, and can move heavy stuff. Okay? There. Which one are you most likely to respond to? Go. Is it a terrible thing? Is it a terrible thing to have a description of who it is that you're going to hire? It doesn't seem like a terrible thing, does it? In fact, I think you as consumers would demand a description of who it is you're going to hire. So one night I'm having a delicious Paso Robles Cabernet. Uh, Napa's overrated, I think, at times. And I'm reading the Wall Street Journal, doing what I do in total silence. No noise whatsoever. Total silence. And so I'm reading this story. It's supposed to be a serious news story. And I want to make sure we're clear about this. All right? I want to be very, very clear. You're hiring movers. Movers. You're not hiring a nurse. You're not hiring an accountant. And you're not hiring anyone to do code. You're hiring people to lift your dresser, not scrape it, and not drop it. That's it. 
correct? Do you care who it is or what they look like that's moving your stuff? Do you care? All right, have an open mind on this. Follow me. Imagine you're sitting there like I am with the Paso Robles cab and reading this, and it goes on, so I'll give you the highlights. The title is this. A moving company touts its young, chiseled workers. Feds say that's age discrimination. Well, damn right it is. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. (sighs) The Equal Employment Opportunity Commission has sued meathead movers. Sued meathead movers this year for violating age discrimination laws by not hiring enough older workers. <laughs> uh, I, I dare you at any point to tell me I'm being insensitive. Go, go right ahead. I bring it on. Um, you know what? Look, I, I every political effort in this country now, and has been, but certainly now maybe more than ever. I mean, look at our two presidential candidates, right? Um, But every campaign promises the elderly whatever they want to hear. Campaigns are about the elderly. The laws are about the elderly. We we are governed for and by the elderly because that's who votes and that's who's going to show up and get these people reelected. I don't think it's an accident that you have two ancient people running for president. Don't think it's an accident at all. So they matter most. I I don't think that's a foreign concept either. They matter most in terms of voting. It's the most important voting block. But they take the time to vote. We all know this stuff. So I just... We're talking about movers. We're talking about movers. Moving, right? That's it. I don't know anyone that has ever cared to ask the age of their mover. I don't know anyone that has ever said, uh, can you finish a Rubik's Cube? I don't know anyone that's ever said anything like that to their mover. Yet it's a problem, a serious problem. The focus on age discrimination, the journal reports, comes as the American workforce is getting older. Nearly a quarter of U.S. workers are 55 and older, and the Labor Department estimates that the number of people 65 and older in the labor force will grow by a third over the next decade. Uh, Okay. Should that include movers? Should it include movers? Like I said, it's not coders, it's not nurses, it's movers, meathead movers. So, some meathead movers' trucks are stamped with the moniker Student Athlete Movers. Youthful-looking employees pump iron before grabbing furniture. Okay, what do you want them to do? Sleep? Um, Does that mean you're more or less likely to hire the movers who in the advertisements for meathead movers are lifting weights? Would you rather them not lift weights? Employees compete in the meathead Olympics in which they compete to assemble and leap over boxes. By the way, call me a jackass. I think this is brilliant. I think it's brilliant. Employees dubbed meatheads must jog from truck to house when not carrying furniture. The Meathead Movers Invitational is a company-sponsored wrestling tournament. I like it. I like it. 
Oh, but Meathead Movers is in trouble. Like I said, you go back to my original question about, of the ads I gave you, which one are you most likely to hire? Meathead Movers, according to the journal, Meathead Movers executives say the company is providing good jobs and quality services to the community, that it isn't discriminating against the elderly. Who the hell cares if they are? And if you want to carry my dresser, I don't trust you. Here's what the company says. Company owner Aaron Steed says, we're 100% open to hiring anyone at any age if they can do the job. People love working at Meathead or they're, or they are turned off how hard it is. You have to move furniture and run to go get it. Many of the EEOC's allegations against Meathead focus on marketing and hiring practices that could, in quotations, could discourage older workers from applying. Yeah. How many of you, when you see the Meathead moving ads, are going to go apply for that job? Better yet, how many of you could do it? Current employees are asked to... Um, are follow this current employees are asked to scour local gyms colleges and places where they would hang out normally for new hires according to the EEOC the, yeah where do you find your movers not the gym I mean where would you like to go and find movers where's the best place to find movers huh are they coding software I don't think so I mean, you want them at a sorority? You want them at a retirement center? You want them to go to Sun City to find some movers? Is that right? And what are you going to do to us when, uh, when he breaks his back trying to move my dresser? The investigation, this is, <laughs> it's, it keeps going, okay? I think it's brilliant. I really do. I, I mean, I, 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 it's exactly what you're hiring a mover to do. Be a meathead. Have you ever talked to your mover? I bet not. Just say, don't drop my stuff, man. The investigation into Meathead Movers was started by the EEOC itself and not by any complaints. The agency typically investigates companies after someone files a complaint. It received more than 70,000 complaints in the last year and filed 91 employment discrimination lawsuits. Okay? How many against Meathead Movers, Jeff? Oh, that would be zero. That would be zero because none of you want to go carry my dresser unless you're a meathead. Good. The agency and the company tried to negotiate a settlement. The agency initially wanted $15 million and then lowered it to around $5 million. Oh, man. Okay. Um... I don't know much about the moving business, but I suspect $5 million matters a lot. I suspect it matters a, a, a great deal. Okay? Um, all right. Let's tackle this. Meathead movers, the concept, the EEOC in general. Joe's a really old guy. Got it? Um, and so is his lunatic competition. He's old, too, and he's a lunatic. But we have two old candidates because that's who votes. But this is insane. Sicking the EEOC on people to make the elderly voter happy is one thing. Sicking the EEOC when there's no complaints to pander to the elderly for a job that nobody outside of a meathead 
would want to do is asinine and harmful and ridiculously damaging. Could there not at least be a complaint against meathead movers? Is that too much to ask? Really, in general, is that too much to ask? I mean, the, the, by definition, and I'm not saying discrimination doesn't exist. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is the marketplace should care. The, the potential employees, we should at least know someone cares enough. If you want to run the business out of business for not bothering to hire anyone, it should start with complaints, period. If there's no complaints, you're not investigating. Off the meathead ads alone, you're investigating this company. Never once have you asked anybody, did you go to did you go to the senior retirement center or the sorority house and say, I want to know if any of you would take this job? You know how many people would say yes? That would be zero. Zero. Nobody else wants the job. So what you should do, I mean, in fairness, because this is I assume this is politically popular. I assume it works to go to senior retirement centers where people vote. The lunatic goes to some retirement centers, and old Joe goes to retirement centers and say, listen, my my EEOC is going to fix stuff for you. Not one of those people, I guarantee you, says, I really wish we could move some furniture. I'm really pissed about that, Joe, Don. Um, So do this. Open up a job fair. And the criteria is carry a dresser downstairs. Anybody that wants to show up, in fact, pur- purposefully invite some elderly people and some sorority girls and say, if you can carry the dresser down, the, by the way, sign this liability waiver, you carry the dresser down the stairs, you're hired. There. That's kind of what they do already. They do their own meathead Olympics. I think it's a great idea. Like it's exactly what you'd be looking for if you're hiring a mover, correct? If nobody over the age of 60 or no sorority girls can show up or any of them can carry a dresser down the stairs, you move on. Move on to something else at EOC. Joe, Joe, you got to do, Joe, do, do better, okay? This is, not, this is not good. Looking for a discrimination fight when one doesn't exist is inviting problems, and it's going to run a business out of business, and that's completely unfair. This is an unfair attack on meathead movers. It is. You know how I know it's unfair? Nobody is complaining. And the fact that the story has just come out, you know what else is going to happen? Nobody over the age of 60 is going to apply. No one is hearing this story right now saying, you know what, Jeff, I need a side hustle. I'm going to go carry some furniture. Good, go. If you fall down the stairs, that's you. You know who's not going to fall down the stairs in my dresser? That meathead. (laughs) That's exactly what I want. I mean, like I said, do you want to hire the bikini babes for the great view? Do you want to hire the seniors who are looking for side work? Or do you want to hire meathead movers? Meathead movers who show you in their ads they have meathead Olympics, which include running from the truck to pick up a dresser. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. Subscribe to the Jeff Ward Show podcast or the aliens are going to come and get you. On 102.7 ESPN. Now back to the Jeff Ward Show. 
here is an incredible story on a number of levels. And I, I, I hope, I secretly hope there's some sort of black helicopter angle to this that I believe it is uh, CAA, which is a big talent rep firm in Los Angeles who represents the most talented baseball player ever. I was about to say of our lifetime, but that's not even accurate. It's the most talented baseball player ever. Period. Done. Okay, let's let's not argue about that. So Shohei Otani is represented by CAA. I'm hoping that they planted this, but I don't think they did. Follow this. He just signed a $700 million contract. That is the biggest sports contract ever. I could nerd out and make a pretty good argument because it's already happened today that they're going to get the Los Angeles Dodgers are going to get their money back. It is actually a fairly wise investment. Most times, particularly in baseball, it's money out the door you're not going to see back. I believe with Otoni, you're going to see the money back. It's already happened in Japan. Two of the companies that work with him, their stock has gone up already. So I do think dollar for dollar, his $700 million contract makes perfect sense, but that's not the real story here. Yes, it's $700 million. Uh, now, I assume some Saudi soccer team will beat that anytime soon. That's nothing to them. All right, but what's reported now is this is hilarious and, and sort of disturbing. For a few hours on Friday afternoon, Shohei Otani was reportedly on a private jet to Toronto. The bettors at sportsbooks in the United States and Canada were rushing to bet on the Toronto Blue Jays to win the World Series. On Friday... The Blue Jays World Series odds improved from 15 to 1 to as short as 8 to 1. Bet MGM Sportsbooks, nearly 85% of the money wagered on Friday was on the Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> Bet ticker at Caesars Sportsbook filled up with wagers on the Blue Jays as well. So obviously on the rumor that he was on a plane headed to Toronto, Started and it was reported, wasn't just a rumor, it was a reporter who said he's on his way on a plane to Toronto. Now, I don't think any time anybody said the deal's done, I think they just said he's on his way to Toronto. Friday afternoon, it was revealed that Canadian entrepreneur Robert Herjavec, H E R J A V E C, of Shark Tank, is that how you say his name? I think it is. Herjavec. The dude on Shark Tank was actually the one on the private jet that was being tracked to Toronto, not Otani. I don't know how you get the two mixed up, but somebody did. Because they were, they were plotting the jet. Turns out it was the Shark Tank dude's jet, not Otani, who was at home. The next day... Otani announced on social media that he was signing with the Los Angeles Dodgers for $700 million. So the money was moving on the report that he was on a, he was on a jet headed to Toronto. The guy got it all wrong. The reporter that, that put it out there said, I got it all wrong. Uh, he came out on Twitter and said, I got it all wrong. I don't know how. I don't know that he's answered why it is he's selected the dude from Shark Tank, but he did. He got it all wrong. Could it have been a masterful play by CAA? Yeah, it could have. You bet it could. Absolutely. 
Do I think that stuff happens? Absolutely, I do. In other words, hey, Dodgers, you're running out of time. The guy's on a jet right now headed to uh, Toronto. You better throw together a deal. I actually believe in a similar way. I think that's what happened with Deshaun Watson's contract. I think the rumor was planted and floated, if you remember correctly, that the word was he was going to sign with the, the Atlanta Falcons. Next thing you know, within less than 12 hours, the Cleveland Browns go, we'll offer him 250 and they'll say, I take it. Could this have been the same thing? I don't know, maybe. Maybe. He is, worth, he is going to be worth $700 million. Everyone's going to get their money back. The needle will move enough. He is popular enough, not just in this country, but in Japan, that products and services are going to sell like crazy. Absolutely. I don't even know how much he ever pitches again. It won't matter. He is that popular. He is that big of a deal. He is, it's one of the few times that that is 700 million. Think about this. Let this sink in. That is 700 million well spent by the Dodgers. Make sure you check out the Jeff Ward Show podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.